Showtime. Welcome to the show. Bienvenue tout le monde. And I say that with all reverence. Um, you know, folks, in all sincerity, I am blessed to do this show because I get to talk to folks like we have tonight. A real living historical hero. And I say that with all full conviction. conviction. Um, folks, uh, this man knew Churchill personally. He received orders from Churchill. Uh, he went behind the scenes in Nazi Germany at a time, folks, uh, those that are of you that are, that are too young to remember, to even know, uh, the armies of darkness were virtually knocking at our doors. We had no idea if we were going to survive it or not. Uh, Hitler's juggernaut was just going through country after country after country. Think about 9-11 for those of you that experienced that every day for five years. Yeah. Imagine the fortitude that it took, the courage, the pure courage it took on the part of all our fighting forces to battle Hitler's armies. Just let me read this off the, uh, the back. I was little more than a boy when my beloved France fell to the Nazi invaders. But when Winston Churchill recruited me as a special secret agent shortly thereafter, my youth did not matter. All that mattered was my determination to rid Europe of the Nazi scourge. The next four years of my life were spent behind enemy lines, crisscrossing war-torn Europe as I went wherever duty called me. Working in the shadows of that great conflict, I have saved lives, I have taken them, we're going to get to that too. That was my mission. I was a spy, this was my story. In war, ordinary men become soldiers, one extraordinary man became a hero. Churchill's secret agent, Max Ciampoli. Have I pronounced your last name correctly, my friend? Yes, you did. Merci beaucoup, vous êtes très gentil. Strap in and hang on. Don't go anywhere. This is real living history. A real life hero with us tonight. Here we go. There is a time to question. There is a time for answers. There is a time to challenge. There is a time to speculate. There is a time for change. There is a time for truth. The time is now. Welcome. Night Fright, your voice in the dark for Paranormal and Conspiracy Radio. And now your host, Brent Holland. Welcome, welcome, one and all. I'm Brent Holland. Welcome to Night Fright. Tonight, folks, real living history. You don't want to miss this show. Sit in your comfy chair, get your feet up, get the coffee going, get the tea going, get a, a cognac going. I think that would, would just fit in perfectly tonight. Settle in the comfy chair. We're going to be talking with a real World War II hero. Max Ciampoli and Linda Ciampoli have a book out called Churchill's Secret Agent. This is a true story, folks. At a time when darkness was imminent everywhere in the world, there was a little 
speck of light, and that man is with us tonight. I am so proud to have you on the show, sir. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service to uh, everybody in the world. Without folks like you, I, I shudder, I absolutely shudder to think of the consequences of not beating Hitler and the, the Nazi scourge of you right. Thank you for joining us tonight, and I want to welcome you both to the show. Thanks, Brent. It is sincerely a pleasure. Now, you're born in France, obviously. Um, yes. Can you, you know, there's a lot of folks right now that are unaware of how there was a build-up towards the war, how the war became imminent. Can you walk us through maybe a year before the war started in France and what it was like for you living there? You were just a young man at the time, 18, 17. We knew uh, then the war was imminent, but we thought we were very strong with Maginot Line and uh, end up not to be so. It was uh, vulnerable. And um, I, I did want to do something. And uh, really, inside of me, we're going to win. I know that we're going to win. Uh, we got defeated in a question of days. I didn't even know I was in a, in a caserne in Grenoble. There's an encampment in Grenoble and with my troop. And suddenly, the, uh, the singer. Uh, then uh, we have to reassemble on the, on the square. And um, the general said, I want to let you know the uh, peace sign was in effect now. And I really uh, make me kind of, um, I'm, uh, I couldn't take it. And I said, he, he told them that yeah. France had lost. Ah. And his men hadn't even had the chance to fight. To fight. Even now that I'm talking about, I'm just, it's all right there. But anyway. How many men did you have? 150? 175 uh, under my command. And he felt they were well trained, oh. ready to fight. They were anxious to fight. And he found that the, the munitions they had didn't even fit the arms. And so they were waiting for the right ammunition. And uh, he felt that there, there had been infiltration into the factories and that that was on purpose. They got the wrong ammunition. Now, he can't prove that, but England was infiltrated. Certainly, France must have been in infiltrated by the Germans. And uh, does he? Yeah, the, the, the morale was very low because we were supposed to get the ammunition sent to us and uh, we know they didn't fit. And uh, later on, I found out I was uh, the fifth column in Wales. Anyway, uh, the situation was critical. He said, disperse, send your men anywhere they want to go, but don't stay around because the Germans are going to come down and take your prisoner or disappear anywhere you want. I told my men, go to uh, Algeria, Morocco, anywhere you want. And if you can get to England, go to England. Yeah, and at the time, myself, I didn't know what I was going to do because I wanted to do something significant for, 
folks. The book is called Churchill's Secret Agent. Our guests tonight are Max and Linda Ciampoli. Uh, Max uh, was undercover. He was a covert operator. He was a spy. He was receiving orders directly from Churchill, Winston Churchill. Now, easy way to get this book is always, folks, with every guest on the show, www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on the book cover associated with tonight's guest. That'll take you right to a spot where you can order the book from the comfort of your own home. Now, big difference with this book than a lot of our other guests, folks. Real living history. Max is a war hero from the Second World War, and I want to emphasize that because nobody knew the outcome of the war, and he put his life on the line time and time and time again. And uh, I'm going to thank him often and profoundly for doing that all through the show, and I would like everybody to do that as well. Um, Let's go, Max. How did you meet Winston Churchill? I mean, Wow, I'm getting goosebumps as I say that, and I'm not kidding. Winston Churchill, how did you get to meet him? I just happened when I was uh, three, four, five years old. Uh, my tutor took me to my godfather, who lived close to Churchill when he came down to paint because he loved France. And this he, is in the south of France yeah. in Cap d'Antibes. And uh, really, uh, I didn't know who he was, but I know what he what he did for us. He gave us cookies, and I said, "Oh, the man with the cookies." He said, "Yes." Um, I'm thinking about maybe my, uh, my godfather said, "I think I could reach him in England." Uh, let me try him. Oh, he tried him. He couldn't reach him. But the next day, Churchill called himself. And, uh, Churchill called back and back. returned the call. And he, he said, uh, what, is something wrong? He said, no, I have, uh, do you remember the little Max who was uh, in your uh, garden and you gave him cookies? <laughs> he said, no, I don't know. Yes, you remember the little guy who was jumping all over. <laughs> uh, oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he told him about Max and he told him that he spoke fluent German. He spoke fluent Italian. He had been raised by a colonel, a retired colonel of the Austrian cavalry, so he could ride beautifully. He knew how to ski expertly. He was a sharpshooter, and he also had a Jesuit education, which is some of the finest education you can get. And he was uh, raised, basically, by the tutor and then by the Jesuits from the age of 7 to 14. He was in a, a, a monastery. Uh, they had 12 students maximum, and he was one of the 12. And so, and that's where he took a course that was equivalent to an ROTC course, so he could eventually enter the military if he wanted to as an officer. So I, that was a great background. No kidding. Max, can you tell us about Churchill? Yes. Can you tell us your first impressions when you walked in the room? As much as you can. I mean, this is uh, this is one of my biggest heroes, without question. He picked me up at the airport uh, because I left from uh, uh, Portugal. And when I arrived in, in England, there was somebody there who introduced me to somebody else. I didn't speak English. And um, they all spoke a little French, I remember. And they took me to uh, in a country. And um, 
unload me in front of the door and I came in and uh, as I came in I rang the doorbell and a man came to open and he said oh you're you're the little Max and I said yes uh, but you grow up since I, did, I don't remember you he, I said to him oh I, I know because uh, the minister just talked about it and he's waiting for you in his uh, bureau, in his office. In his office. And, yeah. And um, I came in and he was kind of stern. Hi. Uh, speaking in French. Uh, yeah, he was, he was on the phone and he said, hold on, just sit down. Very stern and different man and he became after we knew each other. Anyway, he said, uh, I'm going to send you to see a dentist uh, tomorrow. They'll pick you up and they'll take you. I said, but I don't need a dentist. My teeth are all right. He said, yes, but uh, you'll see. Uh, just uh, do what they tell you to do. Still very stern. And when I came out of the office, uh, his secretary said to me, who was very, very nice, she said, don't worry about it. The first uh, time you see him, he might be uh, stern and, and straight and so on, but he's not like that. Believe me, he's not. Oh, okay, uh, they show me my room downstairs and uh, I look at the uh, lake. It was a little lake in front of my window and it was nice. It was a swan on it and it, I felt, oh, what's a resort area? <laughs> and the next day, they took me to the dentist. It was, that was at the spy school, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, well, I didn't know at the time. It was a spy school. The dentist was there. And he said, open your mouth. And I couldn't understand. And he went like that. I said, okay, I opened my mouth. And he started drilling a hole in my tooth. On the more area. And then after that, he said, uh, he called somebody, and the next day again, I went there, and they made an impression of the tooth and put a cap and whatever. On the result, there was a cap, and where they put the cyanide pill in case you can take the whatever the situation is. And you, if you get caught and yeah. tortured, they wanted to make sure if you felt you were going to, as Max says, spill the beans, uh, you would just crack your tooth open and uh, take the cyanide pill and crunch it, and then you die within seconds. Uh, at the time, the, the training to take that cap off with my tongue was a task that I don't even want to talk about. It took me days where I find the way to pull like that and on the way on one of the uh, torture I'll tell you this now because oh, it, he's talking about now yeah. much later when he got captured yeah that was one of my questions but we can do that now that's great sure yeah. well he was hit in the face and it not and it knocked the cap loose with a wet towel. So he had the the pill wandering around his mouth, and he had to get it back up into the hole and get the cap back on. Yeah, 
And that was that was. And while he's being tortured, he's yeah. he's trying to get get it back in. I, I, it makes a great. Anyway, I didn't crack the beer because I'm here now. <laughs> And thank God for that. You know, folks, uh, we're making light of this situation, but these yeah. things really happen. This is not a movie, folks. He was actually captured and tortured. He had that cyanide pill, and uh, thank God he was able to get it back up into his tooth and be here with us now to tell us these stories. But can you imagine, just try and imagine for a second, put yourself in Max's place. And he did it. Now talk about a hero. Uh, and thank you again for your service. I can't say that enough. Let me tell folks, Churchill's secret agent, Max, and then the Chiampoli are our guests tonight. Max, of course, was a secret agent. He was receiving um, orders uh, right from Churchill. He also made up some of his own orders right on the spot. And easy way to get the book, www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on the book cover, folks. Get this book. Get this book because... It is real life history. This is going to inspire you because of the bravery of this man and others like him as well. We would not be here today enjoying, you know, you know what my biggest decision was today? Should I have another cup of coffee? Come on. It's nothing, eh? Compared to what Max went through and, and others, you know, we are so lucky because of these guys. Uh, you know, uh, talk about the armies of darkness. Um, I don't know if there was ever such an evil force in the world before uh, equivalent to that. And these guys just stood up and said, no, not on my watch. That deserves a hearty thank you. A hearty thank you. Max, uh, I had alluded uh, to uh, some of the training and some of the... Uh, the things that you had to go through and um, one of the things you had to do was kill somebody but to save some Jewish people can you tell us that story sir yes uh, I was on my way to go back to Portugal and I passed by a small town uh, in the south of France called La Turbie and um, the restaurateur, the uh, owner of a, of a bar restaurant, he said, um, "Can you come in? I was something who bothered me." Oh, by the way, he already knew the man yeah. from previous trips. And uh, he said, uh, "Something is going on, and you have to know. I don't know if you can do something about, it, but we have." in a forest about 200 300 uh, Jewish people uh, then we are taking care of and feed them and so on and there is a man who want to go and give them away to turn them in to turn them in uh, is the is going to go to the militia or the French uh, uh, what do you call French it? militia uh, uh, yeah like they, they were pro-Nazi pro-Nazi yeah, and he would get 100 francs for each one of them and and one of them I have to interject yeah. was his son and he didn't care what happened to his son and Max was incredulous and he said but how can he do that he, he knows they're going to be put in prison and probably put to death he said well his son, he feels, is bewitched by a Jewish girl because he's fallen in love with a Jewish girl and plans to marry her. So he was willing not only to turn into it, turn in his the people, but turn in his own son. And Max couldn't believe 
the malevolence of this man. After he explained to me all this, I said, I'll be back tomorrow and I'll take care of it. Because he said the man, the client, came in every day and lived only a few kilometers away, two, three kilometers, and would come every day and get drunk. And so Max thought, well, he'll come at night. The man came at That's night, right. correct? And I uh, joined him. I mean, uh, the owner showed me, just uh, me where, who he was with his head, and I understood the right way. And he and was drinking red wine, so Max bought a bottle of and, red wine and went to the table next to him and sat down. And I said, uh, uh, you know the, this uh, type, of, uh, you know this country uh, better than I do, and uh, maybe you know, will you help me to uh, find where I want to go in Nice? And, he's, and I said to him, um, Nice is down the, the road, isn't it? And he said, yes, it just happened and I'm going tomorrow. I have something to do there. He said, but uh, where, where is Nice? Oh, he said, uh, if you can come with me tomorrow, I will go and show you where. I'm going down to the militia uh, headquarters because I want to uh, give uh, some uh, information uh, to, to them. And I say, oh, you're being very nice. Take me down there tomorrow. I will join you to your house. He said, no, just come on down now. I'm kind of drunk. Why don't you stay with me tonight? Well, and, what he said, well, Max, while he was talking, yeah. in the meantime, he keeps pouring, That's right. filling up his glass. Because Max said that the guy was big. And he decided he wanted to yeah. make this easier for himself. So he kept filling it up until the bottle is empty and the guy is drunk. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we went down the road, went to his house. Next. Well, before his house, Max said that he had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So the guy says, Oh, I know right near here is a bergerie, a, a sheep uh, refuge. A sheep refuge, a little stable, and we can go in there. And they ducked in there, and it started raining, and they both relieved themselves. And Max said, Tell me more about the Jews around. And the guy started raving about the Jews being hidden and the Jews, how bad they were, and they were going to get rid of them. And the guy said, well, you better make your peace with your maker now. And he pulled out a Colt 45, and he told the guy to get onto his, his knees. knees. Yeah. I say, say your prayer now. You have the time to... Uh, Ask for forgiveness. Yeah, ask for forgiveness, something like that. I don't remember exactly. But, but, but he said, you probably don't even realize yeah. that selling people yeah, is not that. the right thing yeah. to do. And I just shot him in the forehead. And, and after that, I opened the, the big... Uh, like, a, like a cistern? Yeah. He took a boulder off a cistern? And then I pushed him down, and he fell down in... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, in the, in the, the sheep's urine. Sheep's urine, yeah. And then he put the boulder yeah. back and replaced yeah. it. And that was the first man he ever yeah, the first had man to I kill. Came. And he said he, he felt bad doing that. He didn't like killing somebody, but it was for a good reason. I felt really funny. I think I, I, did, feel, I did a good thing. Oh, and with yeah. a question, with a question, Max. Are you haunted by that moment? to this day because I want people to know the sacrifice not only you made um, 
in doing the missions you did. But to me, there must have been a sacrifice in order to get yourself to a position to kill a fellow human being, even if that human being was a slime ball, if you will. Are you haunted by that to this day? Not that one, but another case where I did have to kill some people. Uh, then you can read in the book, you'll see. I think they took that chapter they out. They took that out. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to give a, a very short... Uh, this was a chapter they took out of the book, and it was after the, uh, the, liberation. the liberation of the south of France. Now, the north of France wasn't liberated yet, but the south of France was liberated, and it was martial law. And a friend of his called him up and said, I don't know what to do. There's somebody who is uh, threatening me. Yeah. If I don't hire somebody... In my uh, motorcycle shop, he had a, a repair shop. Like an union uh, starting, uh, taking place in different parts of, of France, just uh, to create some uh, jobs for themselves and others. And he, they were pushing to get somebody to hire those guys. And he told the guys that he, he would he would do it, but he couldn't afford to feed his family if he did. It was just a little mama and pop business. And he said he couldn't afford it, and they threatened him. And he called Max and he said, I'm afraid for my family, what should I do? And Max said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And he took a couple of men and went to the union hall, if you will, yeah. and uh, told them, hey, what are you doing? Who is the one in charge here? And what, what are you doing threatening my friend? He can't afford to hire anybody. And the guy said, oh, it was just talk. We, we, we just have to get jobs. Everybody is starving. We can't, there are no jobs. We just, we just have to get jobs, so we, we push. And he said, well, stop pushing on this man. And the guy said, oh, no problem, no problem, we won't. No, I came, I came back and I told him, I said, don't worry about it, it's all taken care of. I went back to my unit? company unit and um, wait, a, few, a, few a few days after that, another call came in through the office and the commanding officer called me and I went and see uh, what it this was. This is not cell phone, this is walkie-talkies. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> You have a problem, uh, take uh, two, three men, uh, two, three trucks, I mean, and them up with men, uh, you're going to have to go down there and uh, well, apply he, the... Well, you, you t first of all, you talked to him again, and he told you what happened. You're right, you're on right. The, on the phone. You're right, you're right. Yeah, just, uh, uh, my wife knows it better than I do. I, trans she I translated and wrote it, and I wrote it and rewrote it, rewrote it. I know it pretty well. And uh, but, yeah. but the, so the, his friend calls him. His name was Levet, L-E-V-E-T, and he said, Max, Max, and he said they've killed my little my little boy. Yeah, they put a bayonet through the through the, the body of my little boy and into the, into crucify the in, in the door of the garage. And uh, when I, I heard that, I said to the commanding officer, he said, he told me, take a few trucks and go over there 
and apply the law, martial, the law. martial law now, uh, put them on a square and kill them all. There were 11 of them. And when I arrived there, I said, this is too easy. Oh, uh, too, too easy for them yeah. to, to suffer so little, to just be shot. Oh, I want to make a, a, a mark in, in this thing. Uh, the, in the minds of the people. Yeah, on the mind of the people. Oh, I told the gendarmes to go to each house of them and tell the, the, the then I will come in, don't tell them what I'm going to do. But each family member should be there to witness this, except, but the, except the children. And I went to one house and I took them out. I mean, not me, but my men took them out and observed what's going to happen. And each member who was guilty was on his knee. And I went to each house and I killed one by one myself. Because to go to the, the, the square, it would have made no impression at all, except few people. Then the family will never forget. And after that, after the war, there was no union there. There mm. was, it no, was more no more problem. And even now, I think, I don't know, but uh, they will remember that. Real life history tonight, folks. It doesn't get any more real than this. Uh, this is the true story of Max Giampoli. Max and... and Linda are gracious enough to be our guest tonight. The book is called Churchill's Secret Agent. I urge you all to get this book, folks. www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on tonight's guest book cover. That'll take you right to a spot where you can order the book from the comfort of your own home. Something that uh, I guess was only a dream uh, during the Second World War, was it, Max? Um, uh, you know, uh, and I want to talk about the submarine avec les, les Canadiens Français. <laughs> if you don't mind, can we talk about that? Um, and um, the cramped quarters on the submarine. Well, I'll just let you tell the story and I'll ticker lock. <laughs> <coughs> hey, thank you to Canadians to come and help us at the beginning of the war. But um, that was a submarine who was not Canadian, it was England. And that, that submarine, we went to go to Martinique, and we were there locked up in a torpedo room. I think we were, I forgot how many, but uh, uh, six, seven, eight, I forgot. I, it was no. I We were there locked okay. up. We have no facility, no, only a pad. A, bu a bucket. A bucket. Eh. And uh, the battery smell, it smell like dead rat. And I will have to go dead, there. Dead rats. Yeah, rats. And uh, we were locked up there and we couldn't go out. The, the rest of the crew was all right uh, back half. Well, they could, they could go up. They uh, could do what they, they want. Go, they could surface. And uh, they surface at night, I'm sure. Uh, because uh, the submarine run better at night and during the day they go down and stay there. And us, we stay there too. They give us food and take the bucket to empty it. And uh, it's, all, it's all what we did for. It took a long time, weeks and weeks and weeks. Finally, we arrived in uh, Martinique 
and we did what we have to do at that time. You will see in the book. <laughs> and uh, uh, after that, we have to go back in the summer and to go back to England. I couldn't, couldn't do it. My men pushed me down the hole themselves at first because I refused. I got, I got the, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, like a phobia. Yeah, yeah. Astrophobia. I, I yeah. was really, and anyway, that's the, what happened about submarine. And his and Canadian I, friends got him to go yeah. by pushing him down. Yeah, and first. I can't even think about it now to go in the submarine. I don't think I will do it. What a story, folks. Churchill secret agent. Uh, true life story of Max Giampoli, uh, right behind the lines, in the heat of it all, during the Second World War, fighting the Nazis. Uh, war hero, without question. Um, www.nightfrightshow. Just click on the book cover. Our guest tonight is Max and Linda Giampoli. Can we tell some more stories? I have a whole bunch of them here. Patent in North America. In North America. Uh, North Africa. I apologize. Okay, that's uh, Churchill again. Uh, he came with ideas. He said, you're going down to the uh, North, Africa. North Africa and you'll be joining uh, General Patton. He's expecting you. And uh, the idea was, he wants me to be next to him, uh, shoulder to shoulder, to avoid the French uh, soldier to shoot at him because I was an officer in an uniform. Now, of course, he hadn't been in uniform yeah. in a long time, but uh, Churchill made him a made, couple of uniforms. Yeah. and added a bar which max says yeah. you can't i'm not captain i'm a lieutenant he said you're a captain you're girl. a captain today <laughs> because you get more respect and people know an extra bar means something and then sent him over to yeah. meet up with the armada going into north africa to and uh, i joined him he was very very nice he's straight and, and he spoke french discipline and well-educated and uh, love food and uh, uh, just uh, to tell you uh, I said love food one day he said uh, lieutenant I mean captain uh, <laughs> uh, would you like to eat some stroganoff and I said oh how can we get uh, some stroganoff here but we gonna take care of it or he sent his orderly to get a baby camel, and and he made he made a stroganoff with a camel. It was excellent. It's it not was right. sweet. I mean, you would think uh, camel would stink really because they they smell bad really. But the little baby there was so, and we ate for days. It was so good. But That's, about the about the landing, and then you were in his command oh, car. Yeah. Yeah, I was with his command car next to him, and uh, the French didn't shoot at us. Besides that, we uh, uh, invade uh, Morocco by uh, getting off the the boats before arriving to uh, Casablanca. Casablanca. It was a, 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 a 
Yeah. It was the name of Fedala. The, Fedala. Yeah. It was, a, I don't know how many kilometers away, I forgot now, but quite a distance away from Casablanca because he thought it was, would be silly to yeah. invade where it's they're a, waiting for you. There's no, no fortification there. We're going to land right here. They still had some resistance, oh, yeah. but, but Max didn't encounter yeah. any fire. Yeah. Thank goodness. And they wanted to have the Americans go in because the uh, the the English were really despised, of course, yeah. by the French, and yeah. and uh, so they figured the Americans would fare better. That's why they got the patent to do it. What great guy! Huh? Yeah, a great guy. He invited me even to come to his uh, house in Santa Barbara with all the horses he had, Lipazan, and so on and so on. He was a, I never saw him anymore, but. He was a great guy. A great guy, great general too, and uh, oh. certainly helped shorten the war without oh. question. Without question. Did you ever meet Montgomery? Uh, no, I didn't meet him, but we uh, went in uh, in a town because it was uh, like a, a competition between them two. Yeah. And uh, Montgomery was in a town before we were and we came in after that and they did have to honor us and so on and so on and each time it was uh, a play between them just battling back and forth those two guys yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie Patton by the way folks plays that out magnificently it's a great movie if you ever get a chance I didn't to watch see it, it. Yet. oh you have never seen it no. oh it's a good movie. Yet. I think you'd like it I really do uh, folks this book is jam-packed of these stories. Uh, we're glossing over a few of them. We're going very quickly, just giving you a little bit of the detail. It goes into far more extensive uh, detail. You're going to be on the edge of your seat. Now, the unnerving thing about this book is it's all real. It's completely real. This is no fabrication. It's not a fiction book. Uh, these things really happened. Max was there on the edge of death just about every day and um, the courage it took, the fortitude, the character of somebody like this um, so that we can sit here and I can decide whether to have two coffees or one coffee today. Uh, I have to thank him so much for that. Um, the fact that we are able to have such a wonderful country as Canada. We owe all these guys everything, everything, and I mean that with full sincerity. Um, the book is called Churchill's Secret Agent. He knew Winston Churchill personally, received orders from him, visited him many times, as he's just told us. He knew Patton as well. Again, this book is full of all these stories. Easy way to get the book. www.nightfrightshow.com www.nightfrightshow.com It's running across here right now. Just click on tonight's guest book cover. That'll take you right to a place where you can order it from the comfort of your own armchair. And this is a great book. You know, it's cold out there now. The winter's on its way. You're going to want to read something that's not only entertaining, educational, historical fact. Relax in your comfy chair with the fire going. The kids are asleep or the grandkids are asleep or whatever. Relax. Read this book. True Life Hero, without question. Max, can we... Talk a little bit about towards the end of the war. Did did Churchill ever mention? I wanted to ask you this. It's one of my notes here. It wasn't mentioned in the book. Did he ever mention Neville Chamberlain? 
And if he didn't or didn't, what did you think of Neville Chamberlain? Uh, he talked about, uh, remember vaguely, but I know he was, he talked about him on the same time he talked to me about uh, Joseph Kennedy. He said, uh, we've been infiltrated in this country by the fifth column, and um, we have some English uh, people who are pro-German, and like uh, uh, Chamberlain, uh, Joseph Kennedy, who tried to build some uh, arms for the German uh, because they are not in a war yet. Only the Canadian help us. That's the only one we have at our side. And uh, my uh, son told me that uh, the uh, Secret Service found out there was a leak between the office of the embassy here in England where Joseph is, is uh, ambassador. ambassador. Yes, that's right. And uh, we're going to cut all the secret thing uh, between uh, England and uh, America. They wouldn't go through the office and anymore they if they were highly secret. Yeah, and they wouldn't go through his office anymore. But uh, there are people like that who are pro-German. And, uh, wasn't Chamberlain uh, for appeasement? Yeah, That's he right. was. He was. Uh, uh, he was for peace. We thought uh, he could trust Hitler, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, we found out it was. But uh, to talk about uh, people like that, Churchill was very aware of what's going on. He was very well informed. And he would talk to me each time I come back from a mission. Uh, I was staying at his place anyway. And he talked, he talked in French. And he, didn't, he was joking all the time. He was just like a father to me. He would hold me in his arm and squeeze me and said, Oh, mon petit, mon petit. <laughs> he was, he was, I even have tears in my eyes when I think about now. Do you think that we would have won the war without him? No. We, uh, we, uh, that's why even now we need somebody like him yes. to save us. Somebody who would speak his mind and yeah. not be worried not about, worry about the political agendas and being correct politically and uh, making everybody happy. We need somebody to speak his mind or her mind. And not appease and stand up and be strong. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I should tell folks, Joseph P. Kennedy, folks, is uh, President Kennedy's dad, Bobby Kennedy's dad. He was ambassador during the war, uh, the American ambassador in uh, Britain, in England. And he wanted the United States to stay out of the war because he thought in England was going to fall to Germany. And he thought the best bet would be for Britain to surrender if you yeah. will and if that had happened that would have been it i mean uh, that was the last stronghold would, would we have all been speaking would we have all been speaking german 
I mean, uh, well, I shudder to think what would have happened to all the Jews in the world, all the homosexuals, all the minorities. Anybody that Hitler didn't like would have been killed, and there would have been nobody left to stop him. And yeah. uh, I shudder to think of that, you know. Uh, so to have a fellow like Winston Churchill at the reins of power in the right time. But you know what? It's more than that. It's to have, you know, I, ha I have relatives who fought in the Second World War too, and I look at them. They were just ordinary fellas like you and I. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And they answered the call, and they stood up in the face of the most horrendous evil day in, day out. Now, I just want to try and give the younger folks that are listening right now an idea. <clears throat> Getting a little bit emotional. You've probably all experienced a very uncomfortable situation in your life where you thought you were going to get in a fight, maybe a road rage incident or something like that. And you know how you shake and the whole world just seems to go topsy-turvy and you can't even focus. Um, you're just so nervous. Uh, you lose a sense of reality. These guys went through that every day, every day, 24-7. And I want to thank you again, Max, for your service and uh, allowing us to have this wonderful country called Canada and this wonderful uh, country called the United States, France, Britain, and everybody else that's associated with it. I mean, it's just heroic what you did. Are there moments now where you can stand, uh, where you see people that have not any relationship, direct relationship with what happened in the Second World War, and you want to just teach the, teach the younger kids what you went through and in order for it not to happen again? Uh, yes, and that's the reason why I agreed to write that book, is to send a message to the youth to be aware there is always a danger. Open your eyes, listen. This could happen again, and it wouldn't be worth it. What we all sacrifice. Canadian, French, and everybody, all the allies, we sacrificed a lot. A lot of us didn't come back home. And we are aware, be aware, there is a danger even now. Open your eyes, be, can't even say it. Be watchful. Yeah. Be watchful, and just, you know, France got their freedom back thanks to the underground. Yeah. They got their freedom back, but chances are, if we lose our freedom, our wonderful freedom and liberty, yes, yeah. and, and we take like we take advantage. We we take we take it for granted like you said we have our second cup of coffee yes or no you know but this is something that we're we're liable not to get back if we lose our freedom we may never get it back yes. and and, and that no would, price to it yeah. no price can pay that that freedom is the like health your health is fine if you don't have no freedom Oh, please be aware. Be aware. I want to ask you a couple more questions, Max? Uh, what's your funniest memory of Winston Churchill? Mm. <laughs> uh, he was funny all the time, from morning to night. He was like a 
uh, it was such a delight. He would play uh, a game with me. He would say something in French all the time. Uh, oh, this is going to happen. You're going to have to go over there. And he would go, ha, 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 ha. I got you, I got you. I mean, he was... He liked, to, he liked to play jeu de mots. Yeah. You know, word games. Word and, game. uh, double entendres. And yeah. Let's play with French. And yeah. Max said it seemed to relax him oh, to yeah. speak French. When he come home, uh, every time uh, son coming home, he come and see me right away and start talking French. And he was like a, like, like a kid. Petit enfant. <laughs> Max, how about your most um, strongest memory of Winston Churchill? Your uh, most poignant memory, profound. Okay. When uh, one day he came back from the office, the secretary said to me, He is very sad and he has tears in his eyes. And if, if you see him, don't say I say so, but he need to relax. I went up from my room and I knocked at the door and I said, uh, are you available? And he was on the phone. He said, I would, uh, his hand went like that all on. And I hang up and he said, yes, um, I have problem, Max. Uh, he didn't call me Max, really. He called me Mon Petit. At Saint Randolph in France, there is something uh, very bad happen. And there is uh, parents, Jewish uh, family, and children who've been separated The parents are already on their way to Poland to be exterminated, but the kids are in a camp in Drancy, in next to Paris, and we have to do something. Randolph came back and he said he couldn't do nothing, he didn't know what to do. Do you have a way? I said, the right way came to me. I said, yes, I do. I knew the French Minister of the Empathy from the First War. He was the father of one of my friends in, in school. In Jesuit school. And I said, yes, I know he will do something. I, I know what to do. Okay, can you leave now? He said, yeah. I said, yes, I'm ready. Or uh, when I get parachute in Europe, uh, uh, parachute in a safe place, and... Uh, Uh, went to a, the youth camp. The youth camp, and uh, talked with uh, uh, the commander. Commander, and and uh, said, "May I use your phone?" And I used the phone, and uh, I called uh, the minister. His name was Payen. And we, we call him Page in the book yeah. because yeah. the. The, uh, the publisher, the publisher had us change all the names of everybody but the famous. That's okay. And uh, there is a way for you to find the real name. On my wife can tell you that. But go ahead. Right, go ahead. He said, "Sure. What, what do you want me to do?" I said, "What I like to do, I have in Paris now 60 
family who won't adopt some children. They are Jewish, but there is a lot more. There is thousands in Drancy. And can you, we do something? Sure, tell me what to do. I said, what I'd like to do is for you to get some auto, uh, autobus, uh, buses, and paint them a green and white, and, uh, and red. Black. Black. <laughs> I'm confused. And uh, get some partisan to take the, the thing in charge and uh, to, drive. Dri to drive them. Oh, and then you had to get the right visas. And, and then you have to get uh, all the, the paperwork. Uh, false paperwork and uh, get them out of there, I said, and, is and, it possible? And he had arranged with the uh, commanders yeah. of the youth camps uh, who he found were pro-free French on a previous mission to take the children in for a period of time to save the Jewish kids, but he had to get their names changed and he had to get false papers for them and their photos and their correct uh, birth mm -hmm. dates and have it all on IDs so that they could prove that they were Christian at the right and appropriate moment. And so he arranged the process by which they could do that. He had a forger he yeah. was uh, acquainted with and he was able to put that whole thing in process. And once he put it in process, Payen was able to continue the process. Yeah, I didn't do nothing after that, except I went to uh, the Vatican uh, to get them some baptism certificate. Well, he had the idea to go to the Vatican because he had been baptized himself at the Vatican, and he thought that because of that, he would be uh, afforded an audience with the Pope. Well, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but he was afforded an audience with the Pope. Yeah. But how to get from France to Rome without papers and to be protected? And he sought out, I don't know if you know, Marie Chevalier. Of course. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the youth don't. You know. Famous singer, think of Bono. Now you got it. <laughs> Think of Bono, and uh, so he sought out. And uh, and and uh, Chevalier's home was actually a safe house. In Juan Lepin. In Juan Lepin, yeah, on the uh, French uh, Riviera. Yeah. And uh, I went there, and he, he definitely he said yes, we'll do it. And we'll he he said he would accompany him to the Vatican in a limo that a friend of his yeah. had a limo company. And they would go together because he had all the Ausweis. Yeah. He had the ability to travel everywhere because he entertained for the Germans. He did have to. He was forced to do it. Yes, I understand. Not that he was willing, but he was working for the English really? all the time. And now, uh, since we're talking about that, the Pius twelve, the Pope, mm -hmm. was so open, he's, he didn't even say nothing. He said, Sure, we'll do it. Well, first of all, he asked for an yeah. audience, and a few days later they were called yeah. back and said, okay, he's granted the audience, then you have to go through this whole process of waiting in ante-rooms before you go in to see the Pope and all that, and the women had to be covered, their their hair had to be covered, yeah, and their dresses had to be a certain way. Down way. Below yeah. to the, so anyway, Max waited and was afforded the audience with the Pope, and he asked for 
baptismal certificates, blank baptismal certificates from the Vatican. And the Vatican printers, um, the Pope agreed, would print them up. And this is thousands. And so they waited, he and Chevalier waited in Rome while they printed them up. And it was so wonderful that he granted yeah. that request. And he, the, this Pope, Pius uh, uh, XII, uh, did have so many people who thought he was a pro-German, but his hand was tied up. He didn't have to do uh, appeasement. Appeasement. Yeah. But he didn't. He didn't even flinch an eye. He just said, "Sure, we'll do it." Wow. And I want to make that because just like the uh, we say, all the Germans were bad. But if I'm here now, it's because the underground German underground got me free from Compiègne, from the prison when I was hanged by the time. And on the different situation too. Yeah. Germans are not all bad. Oh, no, 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 of course. Yes. Unless you've walked in the person's shoes, you don't know what, what's going on. And if it, it weren't for the Germans, Max would be dead. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Yep. Um... We're going to have to start to wrap up now, but I have thoroughly, thoroughly, I can't believe an hour has gone by. I'm looking at the Already? It's a joy to talk to you. Oh, no, it was, trust me, it was my sincerest pleasure. I have enjoyed this. I can't even put it into words. Um, Vive le Canada. Vive le Canada. Vive le Chimpauli. I want to thank you again, both of you, from the bottom of my heart, uh, for doing your service, Max, and uh, for you, Linda, for, for writing the book. And uh, once again, folks, Churchill's secret, serve, uh, secret agent. Um, in war, ordinary men become soldiers. One extraordinary man became a hero, and that man is right here with us tonight, Max Giampoli. Thank you. God bless you both. God bless you, too. And you. Thank you. I'm Brent Holland from Night Fright. See you next time. You're listening to Night Fright and your host, Brent Holland. The time is now. Your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. Yeah.